So, Brother Wiseman, is this the young lady that lives across the street? Yes, okay. Well, I know that, that there are some people here that, that live in the subdivision with you, and um, I've, I've, I've heard about you. I've, I've heard how you've, you've taken care of him, you've taken food to him. Um, I, was, I wasn't there, and you'll have to remind me of your name, brother. It's not Terry, is it? It is Terry. Okay, all right. I, I thought it might be, but I wasn't sure. But I wasn't at Brother Wiseman's maybe, I don't know, what do you think it was, Brother, maybe five minutes? And Terry comes rolling up in the golf cart, you know, and he's like, you okay? You know. So making sure that there wasn't somebody there that wasn't supposed to be there. I did get out of the truck with something in my hand, so I kind of looked like a salesman, you know. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah. Well, we want to, on behalf of the family, want to thank everybody for, for coming. Um, uh, these, this time is a, a difficult time. Um, I, don't, I don't think you need my permission, you know, to do this, but, but I just want to say it. Uh, grieve. You know, some people will, will try to tell you, don't, don't grieve. Uh, God's given us emotions. Um, you know, we have the ability to shed a tear. Um, we have the ability to feel sorrow in our hearts. And um, my encouragement to you is that in, in those feelings, um, like I've tried to tell so many people before, um, you know, when you're, when you're crying, cry out to the Lord. Um, there's, there's true comfort to be had there. So, um, you know, there's, I know that we have comfort. We can comfort one another. Um, and we're called to do so. We're called to love one another. Um, but, um, you know, there's, there's no greater comforter, uh, than, than God. So, um, turn unto him. I, my, my heart, you know, goes out to you. Um, I don't, I don't think we've met. Are you? You're a son too. Okay. Russell, nice to meet you. Yeah. So, Ronnie, let me, let me speak to you in, in this part. Um, I haven't had to walk where Ronnie's walking right now. My mom's sitting right there. But one day I'm going to have to. That day is going to come, isn't it, Brother Wiseman? Um, you know, we're, we're all going to have to walk, you know, in the place where this family's walking right now. Um, they're, they're in a, a valley of sorrow. And, and we're, we're called to weep with those who weep. So our hearts do go out to you um, at this time. I, I want to be brief, but I want to speak to everyone here. A little bit of housekeeping, I guess, in a sense. Just if you don't know, some have asked. But there, there is a restroom you know, for the ladies and the, and the men on this side down here. So just you know that's out. Um, there's, there's a water cooler and things down there, so... Um, there should be some, uh, speaking of shedding tears, there should be some Kleenexes, you know, nearby. I don't know if, if everyone had a chance to get a copy of one of those. If you didn't, there'll be a hymn that we'll sing later that the words for which are on the back of it. Um, but this, this is a different service, you know, for us. Typically, we would, we would have something like this on, a, on another day. Uh, but we're having it today in conjunction with our regular services. So I want to encourage you on, and really at the behest of, of Brother Wiseman, um, you know, this, this was his request, you know, that, that we have things this way, and his hope is that you'll stay. Um, you know, normally after a funeral, we would have, you know, a graveside service, and they would come back and we'd eat. But, um, you know, we're going to have our normal, you know, service after uh, the memorial service. Uh, and after that, we always eat together as a church. So, we, we greatly encourage you, if you can, I know some of you may not be able to, but if you can, you know, we're, we're here to serve the family today. Uh, we're here to try to comfort the family today, and you being able to stay through the entire services, I'm sure, would be a comfort uh, unto them. You, you mean something to them. You're here. Um, if you didn't mean something to them, you, you wouldn't be here. So... Let, let me just begin by, by saying that um, we all suffer losses like this in this life. Um, Brother Wiseman, you've suffered the loss of a wife. But there was a vow that was made the day that he was married. And he, he promised to honor 
and cherish and in sickness and in health. And he did that. And I want to speak to you young people and say, here is an example of what a husband, you know, ought to be. If you young ladies haven't gotten married yet, look for somebody that you can live with for the rest of your life because that's what Susie had um, in, in a husband, uh, someone that they were able to stay together their entire lives. He told me, he said, brother, I'm not going to put her uh, in any kind of a home. He said, if I have to crawl on my hands and knees to take care of her, I will. And that's commitment. That's dedication. That's honoring the vow that he made before God. Um, so others of you, you've lost a mother. I don't know y'all as well. Uh, a grandmother. Um, you, know, a, um, you know, an aunt. A friend. A friend, right? Yeah. Um, all of us have known Susie in, in, in some of these ways. Uh, but it is a time of reflection. It is a time. It's a memorial. That's what Brother Wiseman asked. The, the florist brother, they, they, they were a little confused because I told them, I said, we want a dozen roses, exactly what you asked for, in a vase without any embellishment. And they're like, you don't want any extra? He said, no, we're simple people. He said, I just want a dozen roses in each vase. And so that's what they, what they did. But, but it is a memorial of time to think upon, you know, precious memories that she's left behind. Uh, there's things that you're going to remember um, for a long time. I mean, I've, I certainly have suffered a loss, not a mother, but, uh, you know, grandparents. And there are things that come back to me every year that my grandfather and my grandmother said to me. And there are those precious memories that are no doubt uh, cherished. But in your time of grieving, again, I want to say that I trust you can find hope and comfort um, in Christ. Let's, before we begin, let's, let's pray. Father, you alone are the source of life. May your life-giving spirit flow through us. Fill us with compassion for one another and sorrow. Give us the calm of your peace. Kindle our hope and let our grief give way to joy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We will um, miss Susie for sure. She, let me, let me just, let me bring something before you right now, because I know there's just a swirl of emotions, but she's entered into a reality that we know very little about, other than what the scripture tells us. But she's, she's got firsthand knowledge of what we will yet know, um, what we can only read about in, in scripture. Um, I'm certain that if she could speak to us today, she no doubt would exhort us to do everything that we could to make sure of the day that we come to this place that we're ready. Be ready, you know, for that day. There's a passage in Lamentations, and you hear the word Lamentations, and immediately you, know, you understand that there's something to do with sorrow that's associated, you know, with that book. In Lamentations 3.24, it says, The Lord is my portion. The Lord's my portion. You know what it is to have something as your portion, something that belongs to you, something that is your inheritance. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. We wait on a lot of things. Nothing greater that we could wait on than to hear from the Lord. Nothing greater that we could wait on than to find comfort in him and him to supply the strength you know, that we need during such times as this. But to wait upon the Lord for salvation. I mean, there's lots of different ways we could talk about that. But, but the way that I'm talking about it this morning is that we come to the end of our days and we know that we have that. Um, so can our souls say that the Lord is our portion, our inheritance, that he is our resting place? He's our resting place. There's a hymn on the handout that was there, the bulletin that was there, that Brother Wiseman, I asked him, I said, I said, Brother, what, what do you want to sing? Uh, we, 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 don't, we don't sing great, but 
we sing, you know, as a congregation every Sunday together, we, they call out, you know, hymns from the pew. We don't have a worship leader and somebody chooses the songs. They, they pick them out and sometimes um, these two girls up here, they, they know those hymns. Sometimes they don't and I get to sing it, you know, a cappella. I don't think that's going to be the case. I hope that's not the case uh, this morning. But this is the hymn that Brother Wiseman told me. He said, I don't understand. He said, I can't get this hymn out of my mind. And I said, well, I understand, brother. The Lord's laid it upon your heart, and and you can't get beyond it. It's what he's given to you, because he knew I was going to ask you the question, and he already gave you something to to answer me with. But um, you see what it says, shall we gather at the river, right? You see what's at the end of the title? Somebody tell me what's at the end of the title. A question mark. They're used to me asking them questions. A question mark. So the, the hymn writer is asking a question. He's asking, shall we gather together? I know you've probably heard this hymn sung in old westerns and things when somebody, you know, has passed away. But, but the hymn writer is asking the question, shall we Will you be gathered together with me at the river? What's this river? Well, Revelation 22, 1 says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. That's in heaven. That river's in heaven. So, let's sing, Shall We Gather at the River? You, you, you look like you want to say something, brother? No, okay. All right. I misread you. Usually I can read him. He's got something to say when he gets a certain look on his face. Um, I thought he might have, but uh, okay. Well, Lydia's going to play for us. Um, Stand if if you're able. I know some people aren't able to stand, and we'll sing, Shall We Gather at the River? And some of you may be able to stand for a little while and have to sit down. So does anybody need one? That doesn't have one? Okay. All right. Beautiful, the beautiful river. 
<clears throat> I took this off because I didn't want to blow everybody away. <clears throat> but it's a good question. The hymn writer seems to be asking, will you be gathered there together at the river? Uh, our hope of such a gathering is only found in Christ. We have no other hope of such a gathering. Well, if you, if you have, again, the handout there in your, in your hand, um, I was going to read the obituary. Forgive me if I do not pronounce your names correctly, but Glenda Suzanne Wiseman, 81 years of age of Trinity, Texas, went quietly in her sleep in the early morning hours of April the 8th, 22, um, to be with our Lord Jesus. She was preceded in death by her father, Vernon Downing, her mother, Pauline Downing, her sister, Cherry Pepitone, is that right? Okay. And her niece, Carla Hernandez. I'm from Pasadena, so Hernandez is not a problem for me, but those other names you know, sometimes are. She's survived by her husband, Walter P. Wiseman, her sons, Carl Buddy Hawkins and Ronnie Hawkins and wife, Mary, her stepchildren, Terry Wiseman and Renee, Wanda Martinez and Pete and Roger Wiseman and Charlene. Granny Sue had three grandchildren, Jason, Jessica, and Katie, and three great-grandchildren, nine step-grandchildren, and 15 step-great-grandchildren. Um, what a blessing. I think the quiver is full, right? I mean, there's a lot there. Um, she's also survived by her niece, Polly Oropesa. Is that right? Okay. And nephew, Paul Pepitone, according to her niece, Kathy Ferry, the sun rose and set in Aunt Sue. It's good to have people in our family that we have that much regard for. Don't take it for granted when you have that type of a regard by younger people. You have a great influence in their lives, and you can tell uh, that must have been the case, as well as the two-legged creatures that adored Susie. She had three beloved pups, Molly, Dolly, and Boomer, who slept with her at night and kept her feet warm under the desk during the day. Uh, I've met those pups. Um, I don't think I've met the tomcat. I've heard the tomcat at the door, but she's also uh, had a, a, a very gentle tomcat, Billy Bob, who brought her special offerings through the doggy door on occasion. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if I want to ask, but um, uh, we end there um, with what Wanda wrote for us. Uh, Susie, will, we will always remember with affection your quiet, soft-spoken gentleness. Just wait on us. We'll see you again. Um, let me say before I, I get into what I'm, I really have to say this morning, I, I want you to understand that Brother Wiseman has asked me to preach a sermon. I want you to understand that before I begin. If you stay, you'll hear another sermon because that's what I do. You know, I'm, I'm a preacher. Um, if, if you were a plumber, I would expect that you plumb, you know, carpenter that you carpenter. Uh, I'm a preacher. I preach, you know, so, uh, the Lord helping me, uh, I intend, uh, to preach when, when you saw me duck in back there, when one of the brothers came up, um, what, what he went back there with me for was to pray. I don't take this for granted. Um, if the Lord doesn't help me, I'm not going to have anything to say. If the Lord doesn't help us, it's not going to be any comfort to you. It's not going to be any help to you. So we're asking the Lord to be with us today, to comfort us, to help us, to strengthen us. Brother, has he been your strength in these past days? Yes. Yeah. You've needed it. Where else can we go but to the Lord? That's an old song, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere else we can go but to the Lord. Well, here's where I want to take my text from. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse number 2, says this. It is better. This, this, our estimation is not always this, but this is what God's Word says. Okay? Um, I want you to take God at His Word, not at mine. You hear me say something that you don't think, that didn't sound right. Well, you be like the Bereans, and you go and you look. Because when Paul spoke to them, the apostle Paul spoke to them, they went back to see if those things that he was saying to them were true or not. So you go back and see for yourself. But this is what Ecclesiastes 7.2 says. This is what God's saying unto us. It is better to go to the house of mourning. This is where we are today. 
It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. I have a good friend who had a party right up the road last night. It's better for me to be here today than it would have been for me to be there yesterday. Why? Why is that the case? Why would the Bible say that to us? I mean, to be in the house of mourning, that's a hard place. It's a difficult place. Why is that a better place? It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. I mean, wouldn't everybody rather be in the house of feasting than the house of mourning? Why is it better? It's better because the Bible says, for that is the end of all men. You know, we're having to take some inventory today. We're going to come to such a place ourselves. It says here, that is the end of all men and the living. Who's going to this house of mourning for? It's for the living. Here we are, the living. The living will lay it to his heart. We're all going to face this day. We don't know when it's going to come. We don't know how it's going to come. But it's going to come. You know, there's, there's lots of folks that are laid up in hospital beds today. And the doctors are saying, days. You have days. Telling the family, you have days. Are they ready? Are they ready? Are they ready to make that final journey? Because I, I'm telling you, this is not the end. This is not the end. This, when I preached my great-grandmother's funeral, these are the words that I used. It's the end of the beginning. It's the end of this life and the beginning of the next. Today, we're reminded of our own mortality, of the reality. I mean, this, this is something to think about. I mean, I don't know how many people have stood before a judge. I've been in courtrooms, but thankfully, I've not been at, at some desk there beside an attorney that, that was representing me. And I haven't had to sit on the witness stand to give witness to anything. Um, I've been on a jury before. I've observed, but I haven't been the one that was there as the accused. I don't know if you've ever been in that position before. But even before men, it's not a comfortable place. I mean, it could have been something that not that serious. Um, but we know what it's like. We've probably known people that have been in that position, that have, that have had to be before a judge the other thing I do besides pastor is I work for my brothers in a construction business, and we have some men that work for us that, that they've been in penitentiary. They've been in that place. They've had a judge say, guilty. They've had a judge say, you're sentenced to this many years, you know, in prison. Why am I using that as an illustration? Well, I think we're all intelligent, and we can connect the dots. God is a judge. And we will all stand before that judge one day, and we will give an account. And here's the problem that we have. God is holy, and we are not. And we have all sinned. There is not a person in this room. I don't care if you think of yourself as the best person in the room, but there's not a person in this room who has not sinned. But the good news that I have for you is there is a way of escape. You do not have to face judgment and be condemned to hell for eternity. I want to remind you, I've had funeral directors tell me, and we don't have one of those here today. I've had them tell me, this is not a place to preach the gospel. I disagree. I disagree. It's perfect place. It's absolutely the place. It's the needful place. If you're, if you're a Christian here this morning, you can rejoice in the things that I'm saying. If you're unconverted, you need to hear these things. Because we all will stand before God as judge. And nothing escapes his notice. We have a lot of things that used to be done in the dark that are being done in the wide open today, aren't they? Nothing escapes God's notice. He knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart at this very moment. At this very moment. He knows what I'm thinking at this very moment. Nothing escapes his notice. Listen to what Hebrews 9.27 says. It is appointed unto men. Can anybody finish that for me? Once 
to die. Okay, but after this, the judgment. Now, that's what I was just talking about. But I, but I want to I want to I want to focus on something else. What I had, where I stopped, and I had somebody finish for me. It says once to die. It's appointed unto all men once to die. Have you ever given any thought to what God's saying there when He says once to die? Did you know there's a second death mentioned in the Scripture? Is that familiar to you? It's appointed unto men once to die, but the Bible talks about a second death. In Revelation 20, verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such. On such, it says, the second death hath no power. The second death has no power over those who have part in the what? First resurrection. Who has part in the first resurrection? When the Lord returns, the dead in Christ in Christ and arise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain are going to be what? Caught up to meet the Lord together in the air, right? So those who have part in the first resurrection, blessed are those. Over those, the second death does not have any power. Now, death is a formidable foe. We have a physician's assistant in our midst. I think she would agree that death is a formidable foe. It's not something that she's been able to stop. I have a daughter who's a nurse. She, she became a nurse about two years ago during the, the height of COVID. And she's like, Dad, I want to go to work at a, a level one or a level two trauma center. I'm like, you don't have any experience. You know? So we had to find a recruiter, found her a place up there. She's seen. She's in Midland. She's seen a lot of death. It wasn't just a few months and her floor, neurological floor, was turned into a COVID floor. And since then, she's been put into the CCU, and she sees death regularly. It's a formidable foe. I mean, we may think we're strong. We may try to take care of ourselves. I mean, I, I take a handful of vitamins every day. I'm not sure how much good it's going to do, but I'm taking them. I'm taking them. My doctor, he's not big on vitamins. He said, if it makes you feel better to take those, go ahead and take them. You know? um, I'm not going to stop it. You're not going to stop it. And you know what? We may, I don't know, anybody here older than 88? Anybody greater in age than 88 years old? Nobody? That's Brother Wiseman's age. He's the oldest among us. Hmm? There's two of you? Okay. Yeah. You he may he may outlast me. You know that? He may outlast me. We have somebody back there that's also eighty eight. They may outlast us. We don't know when this time is gonna come for us, but wouldn't it be good to know that it has no power over you? Now, I'm not talking about the physical life. We know we're all physically going to die one day. But what about the life that is to come, to know that death, the second death, has no power over us? To think about places like 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, when it says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. What are we talking about there? We've broken God's law. All of us have. And you're not going to do enough good to make up for the sin that you committed, I'm sorry. If somebody's told you that, the scripture does not teach that. You cannot do enough good to make up for the sin that you committed. There's only one way. Who said that he was the way? Jesus did, didn't he? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No, no one can come unto the Father except through him. And I'll just say, it's more than just saying a prayer. If, 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 if you have repented of your sins, there's a changed life. There's a new life the Scripture speaks of, a new life, a new creation the Scripture speaks of. You know, where we were once bent towards sin, I'll I'll use these flowers as an illustration. These have been cut. Maybe I'll use this. Maybe that's why this is here. Somebody brought this plant. You brought the plant. If we set that plant by a window, the leaves are going to bend towards the light. You could spin the plant around, and the leaves are going to bend back towards the light. You know what I'm talking about. She's shaking her head. Yes. 
if you have a changed heart, your life bends towards Christ. Your life bends towards righteousness. Am I saying that we never sin? No, I'm not saying that. Uh, if we say we're without sin, you know, then, then you know, we're, we, we know that's, that's not true. Um, but we know one that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if the sting of death is going to be removed, if the grave is no longer going to hold us and keep the victory over us, it's only going to be in Christ. So what I'm seeking to do is to point you to Christ. If, if you're a believer, I'm pointing you to Christ. I've been pointing Brother Wiseman in these days to Christ. Brother, lean upon the Lord. He's able. He's, he's not going to bend. He, he's, he's not going to fold. Now, your, your weight's not going to be too much for him. He's going to support you in the whelming flood of emotions that have overcome you. So what I'm saying is we all have need of repentance. We all have need of God's forgiveness have you ever been told as a Christian this? Well, you just think that you're better than we are. I've been told that before. I don't think that. No, I could be worse than you are if it weren't for God's grace. I could be the most wicked wretch that you could have ever known. I could live next door to you and you wouldn't want to, to walk over into my yard because I may bite your head off because you stepped on my grass, you know. Um, and, and worse. No, my message to people like that is, no, the Lord saved me. And the ones that have told me, I, I, I know you're inviting me, Pastor, to come to church, but, you know, if, if I came, the, the roof would fall in. I said, no, I've already tested it because I've walked in there and it hadn't fallen in. It hadn't fallen in. So we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We all have need of mercy. We all have need of repentance. We all need to escape the second death that is coming. And the only way we're going to do that is through Christ. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we've all given things before, right? I mean, we've, we've given to charities. We've given to people in need. We've helped people. We've done different things. But can you imagine? God gave His only begotten Son. God gave His Son to die on a cross. For, and she's not bothering me. I've preached to my kids growing up in the pew. She's not making any noise compared to what I've heard mine make before. So don't don't worry about that. But, um, you know, we, we think so little of sin. Like I said, I've, I've tested the roof. People think so little of sin. They think so little of Christ. God gave His only begotten Son. Right? What is God going to do with a man or a woman who stands before Him on the day of judgment that has rejected salvation in Christ? That has refused to repent of their sins and to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ that they might be saved? What is God going to do with that person? I mean, we have jobs, right? And if we don't do our jobs, what what is our employer going to do? Unless he's very gracious, he's going to fire us. I mean, what are we going to do when we stand before God if we're outside of Christ? If it makes you feel uncomfortable, I hope so. Because you need to get in a place that preaches the gospel. I mean, I, I don't know what you do during the week. You know? I mean, I, I see a whole lot of people driving by with boats hooked to the back of their trucks on Sunday morning. I hear lawnmowers running in people's yards on Sunday morning. From right here, I can hear him. Get somewhere where there's a faithful preacher to preach the truth unto you because your soul is the most valuable possession that you have. It's not your truck. There's some nice cars out there. And you probably spend some time washing them, taking care of them, getting the oil changed, maintaining them. Well, do you spend that much time on your soul? Because your soul is way more precious than that. Those things are going to perish. One day, those things are going to be destroyed one thing is they're going to be burned up they won't be they won't be anymore but your soul's going to be for an eternity i remind you brother wiseman asked me to preach this morning 
The world may think little of it, but God gave his only begotten son to free us from death's grip and the power of the grave over us. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made us, or made him rather, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. We, we talked about this Sunday. I mean, you think about the Lord Jesus Christ being in heaven. Angels are worshiping him. Glorifying him. They're crying out, holy, 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 Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And he left that place. He left that place of adoration. He left that place of praise because we had a problem. We have sinned against God. And the only way that that could be made right was for him to come and take upon himself the punishment due us. Now, that can't be depicted on Hollywood screen. I mean, we see Christ suffer. We see him nailed to the cross. But for an eternity of hell, for my sins to be poured out upon the Lord on the cross, that can't be depicted. He hath made him. Who hath made him? God hath made him. God made a way to save us from himself. From his wrath. He made a way for us to be saved from his judgment. A preacher friend of mine, when he was being interviewed, and the news reporter kept asking him all sorts of questions, and he kept giving the same answer. He kept, you know how they'll ask a question in a different way, hoping for another answer, right? But he kept giving the same answer. Flee from the wrath to come. And they'd ask another question. Flee from the wrath to come. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Brother Wiseman, is life short? Yeah. It's short. I mean, the Bible says in James 4.14, Whereas you know not what shall be tomorrow... What's your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It doesn't last long. I mean, even 88 years, it's gone by. I'm only 53. It's gone by so fast. I'm not saying it was that way when I was in my teens. Oh, I wanted to get older faster. But it's gone by so quickly. So quickly. Well, today, certainly, I want to say again, our hearts are saddened because of the sorrow that such an occasion brings and today we will grieve this loss of this loved one but maybe maybe like ecclesiastes said that i read in the beginning maybe today is a day that our hearts might be soft enough if we haven't understood these things to receive these things now i'm I'm not asking i'm I'm not going to have any kind of altar call i don't do that even when i preach on sundays normally we're not having a memorial what i'm saying to you is you need to get right with god if you're not that's what i'm saying and that's the kindest thing that i can do you know this this dear sister here can treat your body she can give medication for your body she can she can diagnose your condition and being a sister in christ Maybe she even prays with her patients. I don't know. That's the kindest thing that she could do. I mean, it's a kind thing, no doubt. I mean, we're thankful for doctors, thankful for medicine. We're thankful for these things. But the kindest thing to do is that I could pray for your souls. And I have. I didn't know who was going to be here, but I've been praying for you all. And the church here has been praying for you all before you ever got here. Certainly for the family, we knew some of those, those names and faces, but some of you others we didn't know. But the Lord knows you. I don't have to know you. Not that I don't want to know you. But the Lord knows you. He knows you. Let me just say that your eternal destiny hangs upon one person. Who is that person? It is Jesus Christ. Your eternal destiny hangs upon one person, Jesus Christ. And 
You may, you, you may not know the Lord, and you may watch some of these, these, these preachers in the movies, and they always make him to be the fool, right? And that may be your estimation of the gospel and your estimation of these things. But I, I, I implore you to think carefully about these things. Think deeply about these things. Search the scriptures. Call upon God. Ask him to make himself known unto you. Because your eternal destiny hinges upon what you're going to do with Jesus Christ. And what you do with Jesus Christ depends on what God's going to do with you and what God's going to do with me. There's a lot of questions that we face in this life, but there's none more important than that one. What will you do with Jesus Christ? Well, I believe there's a God. We used to meet more people on the streets years gone by than we do today that would say that. Bible says, the Bible says even the devils believe and tremble. I mean, they say they believe in God, but they don't tremble before him because if they did, they'd repent of their sins and call upon him for salvation. They'd be like that publican in Scripture smiting himself upon the breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not even cast out demons? Anybody here cast out demons before? I've not done that. I'm a pastor. I know pastors who have done those sorts of things, but I've not done that. The Lord hasn't put me in a, the Lord hasn't put me in a position to, to have to do that, to be in that, in that place. Um, I'm, I'm sure... I mean, you realize that, that angels are about, right? I mean, we see Jacob's ladder. They're going, you know, to heaven and, and ascending and descending. Well, there's demons about too. You know, when the truth of God's preached or a Christian is, 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 is living a righteous life, I'm sure they're uncomfortable. I'm sure the angels are rejoicing, but I'm sure the demons are uncomfortable. The devils believe and tremble. Many will say to me in that day, haven't we prophesied in your name? Haven't we cast out devils? Haven't we done many wonderful works? And listen to what the Lord says. I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. People think because they've done certain things that's going to obligate God. It's not. He said there's only one way. It's Christ. Only one way. I mean, you could be the richest person on the face of the earth and you could give away, you know, three quarters of your wealth. Maybe give it all away. Is that going to obligate God? Bobby, is that going to obligate God to you? No. Pick up my cousin. It's not going to obligate God to us. The only way we're going to find forgiveness is in Christ. And so you will either repent of your sins and believe upon Christ or you reject him. You'll either obey his word or you'll disregard it. You either confess Christ as Lord or you will deny him. The Lord says, those who confess me before men, I will confess before my Father, which is in heaven. Listen to this statement. This is, this is weighty to me. This is a weighty statement. So think about the things that I've been talking about. You know, consider these things and listen to this. Where death leaves you, where death leaves you, eternity will find you. So in Christ, outside of Christ, where death leaves you, judgment will find you and eternity will keep you. We're sad today because death has done a terrible thing. Death is a reality because of sin. But we know there's escape you know, from death's sting, from the grave's victory, and that is in Christ and only in him. I've asked you the question, are you ready? We've talked about people in the hospital. Are they ready that have been given days to live? Are you ready? We will only be ready by knowing, knowing that we're in Christ. Scripture says, make your calling and election sure. Make your salvation sure. Make it sure. Will it, will it stand up under scrutiny? Is there any reality in your life? of Christ, being in Christ, and Christ being in you. Isn't that amazing to think about? 
I mean, those of you who know the Lord, isn't it amazing to think about the fact that you being a believer, Terry, isn't it amazing to think about God has taken up residence inside you? The God of all the universe who spoke things into existence resides within his people. Is there any evidence of that in our lives? Can people see that? I, I, I know I speak in these ways sometimes and people say, yeah, you know, how do you know? Well, remember what I said, that Susie has entered into a reality that we don't know much about. And if she could come to us today, there would be no sweeter words that she could say to us than to point us unto Christ and say, look unto Christ. Look unto Christ. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter. I mean, think about, think about the Apostle Paul. Before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus and he was putting Christians to death. He was persecuting those who were of this way that we're talking about today. And what did he call himself? Anybody? Chief of sinners. So we're back to that place where if there's mercy for him, there's mercy for us. There's mercy for us. Surely if we do not get to heaven, the fault will be our own. So there is a heaven to be gained and there is a hell to be avoided. Do not lay your head upon your pillow tonight without considering these things. If you're wondering why I didn't call you up to play the other hymn, aren't you? I'm glad you just realized that. Um, I thought we would, I forgot to tell you, I thought we would sing in here at the end. But um, I don't what number was that? There should be a hymnal there either on your, your um, pew or in the pew rack that's blue. And it says, Great Hymns of Faith. It's not in, it's not in the, the um, handout. <clears throat> but it is in the, in the blue hymnal. Let's, let's stand and we'll, we'll sing this last hymn. I'll, I'll, I'll go, yes, please stand and we'll sing this last hymn. Um, what number is it? 75. Okay, 75 in, in this, this book here. Number 75. And again, let me, let me just ask if you're able to stay with us um, and, and, and be with the family and, you know, eat with us later. There's, there's lots of food back there. Yummy food. Yummy food, yeah. <laughs> Says the cook. <clears throat> Number 75. Well, she usually tries those things out on her family before she brings them here, so here. All right. Number 75, Abide With Me. Does everybody have a book that needs one, wants one? I don't want anybody to be left out. If you, if you don't have one, let me know and I'll get you one. All right, number 75, Abide With Me. Just not abide. 
That is a precious sight there. You kneeling down and holding a hymn book open for her. Well, let's let's uh, let's pray uh, once more. Um, we need much prayer, Father. We thank you for the time you gave us with Susie. Support us, O oh Lord, during this time and all the days of our lives until the end of all things and our work on earth is done. Then in your kindness, grant us a safe home and peace at last in heaven. Father, I just pray that the peace of your peace would, that passes all understanding would keep the hearts and minds of these that have suffered such a loss in this life. Keep their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, again, if you can stay, please do. If you can't, we understand. But uh, we will try to start here in, in a little while and have our, our normal hymn singing and, and uh, worship time. I know it's different. She's gone to funerals before, and that this is the end. And, um, but here we are. So. But thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. <laughs> 